HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. Since 2009, HRN podcasts have been exploring the wide world of food, beverage, and agriculture. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. This episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network since 2009. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. Barryville is a hamlet in rural America, part of the upper Delaware River Valley in the western Catskills, but it could be anywhere. Barryville is the climax of civilization. Yeah, the Trump flags are flying, even as gay bikers are rolling through town. This is a hot take on rural America. And whether you're new to rural living, if you've ever been bullied or beaten up in the country, or live in the city and just dream of getting away, this show is for you. Everything's better in Barryville. Can you dig it? Hello, old friends. We're back. Just when you thought it was safe to go back in the water. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm so excited to be back, actually. It feels like a real back-to-school sort of moment right it now. It does. It does. Despite and the 40 days of rain. <laughs> well, it's a, it's a beautiful autumn day. It is so spectacularly, it is. fabulously rainy today. Uh, I mean, the leaves are changing. The dogwood's changing color. I, I mean, it's all kind of happening. It does have that whole back-to-school vibe, but without the trauma of actually going back to school. <laughs> this is my favorite time of year. And you know what? I, I love going back to school. I mean, you're in school. You're teaching. You know, yeah. I, I feel like I'm back in school going door to door, meeting all the wonderful mm. citizens in the town of Highland. I, I love it. I'm I not- actually really feel I'm, I'm I'm happy in this place. I love to go visit people in their homes. We're having a great time. As a candidate for town supervisor. Yes. Uh, and I'm very, very, very excited for your campaign. And I've seen how hard you work and how hard you work for the town and for everyone. And you're a large reason why I was able, to, my family was able to settle here and feel so welcome. And, and you know, makes you go over it, like right off the bat. Well, so thank I, you. I Mike. give you, uh, I mean, so much credit for bringing people uh, together. Because um, the stick it in is on every road map in the world. All roads lead to the stick it in. That's right. <laughs> Follow me to stick it in. You know, like that's a bumper sticker we came out with that uh, wasn't so. Popular. And I gotta say, speaking of fa- <laughs> fabulously rainy days, it was pouring yesterday, and uh, I was I was teaching over at Bethel Woods, rehearsing uh, the teenagers who are the ambassadors group. They're kind of the group of. Uh, girls and young men who represent Bethel Woods when they do events there. And you did this all summer, right? Yeah, yeah. I've been teaching rock camp and after school programs and so stuff. So fun. Well, back in, you know, before the summer I was teaching after school. But I stopped off, I just want to tell you, at the Oasis, uh-huh. Under the Camel, which is kind of like a new business-ish in, in here in Barryville. Um, the Camel's new. We named it on our show. I feel, you know, part of our our history together is naming the Camel. But it was so good yesterday. I, I got to tell you, this is just like a shameless plug for your business. The food was amazing. Chef Tammy was great. But having those big bay doors open while it was pouring rain and sitting at the bar looking at the Barryville sign eating a taco was was like perfect moment. Well, what, let me ask you, what did you do during your summer vacation? I had a great summer. <laughs> it was a, it was a wonderful summer. We're going to have Suzanne from Bethel Woods on, but it was a great concert series up here locally. I felt very excited. I went to we saw um, Boy George, we saw um, 
the We saw Robert Plant. We saw Robert Plant. That was an amazing show. We went to the Catbird Festival. My family came out, which was really fun. My cousins from Milwaukee and my sister from Atlanta came out this summer and we went to uh, Bethel Woods for the Catbird Festival, which was their first camping explosion. Totally lovely. Um, Howard Jones was lovely as part of that Boy George show. I mean, there was so many great moments this was, summer. Was there anything Grateful Dead adjacent that you went to this summer? No Dead and Company, no Bobby Weir shows? I didn't go to any Bob Weir shows. <laughs> I mean, I listened, I, I definitely uh, yeah. jammed out to the Dead, uh, <laughs> you know, this summer. I I don't know. It just, it felt like a good, it felt like one for the history The Grateful books. Dead does feel like summer music. I've been playing the Grateful Dead yeah, yeah, a lot yeah, around yeah, the house, yeah. too. Uh, probably not the same Grateful Dead records as you, but yeah, we can get You know what? Go scratch. <laughs> I don't, I don't want to listen to this uh, anti-Bobby Well, well you're, you're the disco it's dead. Uh, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I got my eye on yeah, yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, no, but you know, also I wanted to include the river was majestic this year. We got an appropriate amount of rain, <laughs> and I went probably rafting with Reba River trips, ladies and gentlemen. If you come to Berryville, a Reba River trips is where it's at. Um, but I went down the river probably 20, 25 times on Amazing. a raft with friends, and the the rain uh, made it so lovely. We were flying down in July. We were flying mm. down in August. Um, it was great. I, I, I had a wonderful time on the river, and so, it's, it's such a it's it's the third character in this show. You know, the river is absolutely such a beautiful thing. Here. We live we live in a river community. There's nothing more important than respecting the river. No, the energy of the river, the the poetry of the river. I mean, it's fantastic. The and fish it, in the river. And you know, when I was at the farmers market, we had a great summer at the farmers market. Oh, the farmers the market was off the charts this week. And this year. I remember just one day. You know, I love being a volunteer there. I love doing the stuff in the in the garden for for the kids and stuff. It was it went great this year. Bethel Woods came. They made 100 peace catchers, and our friend Crystal Grow made I don't know, 100 Sienna type prints, and the official Barry. Ville Farmers Market banner, which is now hanging up there. And we had tons and of great vendors this year. We yeah. had like a, we had the new juice people. We had the new coffee people. I mean, things were just really one. Uh, you know what? One of my favorite vendors is actually a craft. But um, the basket case girl. Did you meet her? She makes the coolest things. She makes light fixtures. She makes baskets. She makes like pots. She's she's amazing. She was really cool. Uh, there was just so much good energy down there. I, we were so lucky to have one of the only farmers markets right on the river. It's like I've, an Olin Mills backdrop. It's incredible. I think <laughs> without you hear, your family, you can hear it in our voices. We just—I know—I get all a flutter just talking about it. There was one day um, I had been. Uh, in, in the church, talking to Pastor Dave, the Methodist church. Who's amazing, uh, by there. the way. He's what super, a great new guy. Super, super nice guy. And we were just sort of standing in that little space uh, where the bands play between the church and the river. And we're like, this is like small town utopia. This is insane. We it have this really river is. and a small you know, white clapboard Methodist church that's over 100 years old. And the bands are playing. And people are drink, drinking coffee and cider. And we're supporting local farmers. I mean, how much better does it get? Come on, if if you're in Berryville, so, come check us. So now that's why well, I have a new I have a new new plan though. Uh, before we get to the show, I want to tell you my new thing here is autumn, and I got some mushrooms from Marley's mushrooms, and we had some chanterelles last week. <laughs> I'm not even sure what that means. Okay, <laughs> we well, were talking about autumn. <laughs> you know, I have a theory about about women, women, girls who are named after seasons, but I also have a theory about women, girls who are named after days in the week—Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday—and women who are named after months: April, May, June. But we'll get to that for another show. Uh, <laughs> yeah, this is getting uh, well, controversial. I know. Well, which do you think is the best stripper name? Days of the days of the whoa, week, whoa, whoa, seasons, whoa, whoa, whoa. or I mean, or <laughs> or or. Uh, um, months. I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Friday is a stripper name, but April really isn't. Uh, but that's, an, again, for another another time. But my new thing is this autumn. I'm going to be getting, I think we're going to do mushroom pasta on Saturday nights. And I also, I got a great bottle of wine over at Cottage Wines, another fantastic new business. Here. Holy smokes. I cannot believe we haven't talked about this yet. They have got it going on. I mean, they have natural wines. They're this is the most exciting so, thing for me. They're coming in with the sake room. I'm on fire. <laughs> yeah, so we got a wonderful biodynamic bottle of uh, French wine. It was very rustic. It paired unbelievably with this, the mushrooms that I got. It's and I think expensive. That's, and that's what's so great. And they that's like, gonna choose be, smart, you know, smart wines. It's going to be my new thing. It's going to be like going, cycling through all the different kinds of fungi that are available from the Marley's Mushrooms guy and sampling the entire stock of cottage wines. I, and, I'm, and that's my, I'm, I'm on that mission. I'll see you, that you, I'll see you yeah. Saturday night. Okay, we got a big show coming up. We have Suzanne from Bethel Woods. She's running the educational program there for the kids, and it's I'm so excited. Exciting. We have our um, cafeteria supervisors and um, uh, 
basically nutritional directors of our children's uh, welfare out in the food you, realm. I mean, I, I just could you, not be more excited. And and they're lovely women, and one of them is a personal friend of mine. I'm so excited to have these ladies on the and, show. And you can't get any more back to school than bona fide lunch ladies. But wait, before, there's, before you answer, there's, there's more. more. There's more. <laughs> there's more. Uh, we have um, our musical guests today are the kids from Bethel Woods. Holy gonna, smokes. Okay, uh, when I, I was teaching rock camp this summer, uh, I formed a group like of like the 20 uh, plus kids that were there. I had a group of about six um, young people, uh, ages ranging from nine to I think 14 or 15. And they formed a band and they called their band the Wood Monsters and recorded a song called Are You Scared? And it's perfect for getting the holiday season. And we're gonna play it at the end of the show. I love that. I love that. You know, the working in Bethel Woods as an instructor is one of the most rewarding things I've ever done up here. I got to write a musical with the kids in 2019, and Suzanne, who's on the show today, really entrusted me to really carry this torch of this 50-year celebration with these kids. And they're so creative and they're so talented, and they come from all different backgrounds and all different towns and experiences Ooh. and it's so beautiful to just watch them get together and make things you know, I, I, I love it since I started teaching over there it, it is incredibly rewarding and I think I mean there's a nice I'm in a nice place in my life to become a teacher and I feel like it's kind of I think the way you feel about public service and your volunteerism that if we don't share all these things that we believe in in our hearts and that we know and all and the that experiences we're capable of, and, and that we're capable of we yeah. can bring goodness out you know that's the, that's the best part well you know it's always a putting in not a taking out correct you know and it's always part of knowing that you're part of something bigger than yourself and it's always about leaving the place better than you found it those are words to live by all right well with that we're gonna uh, take a quick break and be back with our first guest we are back john i'm so excited here we are season two fella everything's better in Barryville. Oh, man. <laughs> I'm excited for our next guest. Mike, you want to bring her in? I thought you said old man. I said, I'm, yeah, old man, I'm talking to you. You want? You ready for the next guest? My, my ears perked up immediately. <laughs> hey, I, you answer to whatever you want to answer to. I, I am really excited to have our, our, our first guest, our next guest uh, here, because I'm having such a good experience teaching it at Bethel Woods. And um, Suzanne Morris is the closest thing I have to a boss these days. Uh, she is the Senior Director of Museum Education and Creative Programs. It's a lot more fun and sexy than it sounds. Let's hear it for Suzanne Morris. Hey, Suzanne. Hi. Yeah, well, thank you for making me feel so welcome over at Bethel Woods. Uh, we feel very excited to have you join us and have also been really happy to have Johnny join us at some points, too, to help us with some of our programming. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> my, my wife said to me after I told her some of my experiences with the kids, she said, did you know you had so much patience? <laughs> uh, I have been having a gas flow, so why don't you tell us I don't remember about... asking myself to see <laughs> I think one quickly finds out working with the kids. Right? Yeah. <laughs> It's it, it is so inspiring and it is such a special thing and it and there's something instinctive about it about wanting to share information you know Mike and I were talking about that before you got here um, and and you get to do it every day yeah it is I feel like I have one of the best jobs at Bethel Woods you know working with the kids working with adults working with families and getting to work with the incredible artists in our community is really such a privilege so and you know something that I think is so special especially with this set of programming you know this time of year. You guys really do fill in the gaps that maybe the school or, you know, childcare or any of those other things can't provide, you know, because the families that, that go to Bethel Woods and look to the education programs there really are all across the map, so socioeconomically mixed and um, interesting and diverse. And you have a lot of different kinds of people coming to Bethel Woods for, for education, but you, you lift up a lot for many communities. And I'd, I'd love to hear more about that heavy responsibility that you guys <laughs> that you guys have. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I feel like the first thing I do is always tell people, oh, we do have programs. People think we're just a place to go for concerts, but really we have a full, robust schedule of year-round programming that is for all ages, adults included, and um, really trying to remove all barriers of access to arts for our community. So whether it be financially or um, geographically, being able to work with artists to bring in opportunities for everyone to be able to experience the power and joy of the arts um, and creating together. So, you know, we have after school programs, we have family programs on the weekends, we have things for adults to be creative and connect together, um, but we're really looking to 
provide a lot of shared experiences and experiences that wouldn't otherwise be available to people in our community in Sullivan County. Well, obviously Bethel is very famous for being the site of the original Woodstock concert. Um, and I want to get back to that in a second, but it's not just rock and roll that you're teaching over there at Bethel. Right. That's right. So we really, we work in three areas, um, which are the community in education and also in creative arts. So we um, help to facilitate field trips that help to celebrate our history at the historic site, really making connections from the decade of the 60s to today, um, which is particularly relevant to the young people today. Um, and then creative arts programs from music to art making to lectures and films and talks and tastings and rock bands, um, and then uh, working with outreach for our community at festivals and um, going into the community to do some programs. We've had partnerships with the Tustin Social and some with the Liberty Partnership Program at SUNY Sullivan. Yeah, it's great. And Bethel is smack dab in the middle of the county, so it's, it's, it's a perfect place for it as well. Um, I wanted to know, were you the first museum education director, and how did these education programs get started at Bethel Woods? Um, the education program started when the museum started. They had a museum education program, I think, that catered to field trips mostly and museum visits, really highlighting the content of the special exhibitions and the exhibition at Bethel Woods, and then has evolved from there. I think uh, prior to my being there, there was an opera program. Um, there were different kinds of music and photography and um, social-emotional wellness programming. So it's really evolved, and I'm sure every director that's come in has probably brought their own flair to it. Um, but I come from a um, science and music and art background, so um, I was pretty excited to be able to bring um, the creative arts and more musical experiences to the programming. And where did you come from? <laughs> <laughs> um, I had a, a very strange trajectory. I, um, I came from music and theater originally were my first degrees. Um, and I was a performer for a long time and then used those tools in uh, the form of science education. And I went back to school to get my master's in museum education and work for the Museum of Natural History for many years in creating content and programming experiences for them uh, before coming to Bethel Woods. That is so nerdy and cool. I, I know. It. I'm like, I, I love it. I'm in awe. Such a good gig if you can get it. I mean, like, come on. You know, uh, I'm, I, I am having a gas teaching the kids. And um, I did want to ask, because like, I'm, I relate to the kids on, on one level. Basically, I was a kid for a long time, probably still am in many ways. Oh, yeah. Um, I can attest to that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but kids... They seem so different than like when we were kids, just in the room. They don't seem as aggressive on their instruments as we were when I was 13 or 14. They don't seem to want to get as loud. I'll tell you one thing that's always surprising. They do love the Woodstock era music. I'm always surprised how much they embrace that because I honestly had this little fear of trying to sell them, you know, some boomer generation, you know, nostalgia. But they re really like that. I was really surprised that none of the kids came in with laptops and said that was their instrument. Everybody had mm -hmm. guitars and drums and wanted to do it old school. Um, but how, how, maybe help me, how do I? I feel like the kids between their screens and I feel like they were ripped off by the pandemic and kind of lost out on being in the band room, you know, together and, and yeah. a lot of things. How, how do we make that leap to this generation of kids? I think it's, you know, it's interesting. The rock camp program that you're, you've been a part of really was, um, we're only in our third year. So that program was piloted um, right after COVID in 2021. And, you know, we saw the kids coming into that program, um, a lot of them were barely speaking, were barely communicating to each other, but through music, they found a way to connect. And, you know, the, the change that we saw happen from day one to the end of the week was really quite a transformation. And by the end of week two, they were, you know, not wanting to leave each other's side. And we've seen that because they still communicate today from the original group that's there. And we've had the kids coming back. But I think they really connect with music and um, they often go into the museum exhibition and they come out and saying, oh, that was kind of cool. Woodstock was kind of cool. You know, they don't, <laughs> they don't know anything about it when they get there, but they certainly appreciate the artistry and the messaging and they start to see a lot of parallels from the things that they're experiencing today. I, if we can, I ever get the kids to sit down and watch the Santana performance or Janis Joplin or, uh, you know, any number of things, they're blown away. Getting them to sit down is the challenge. Right. But once they see it, it, it it's like wowie zowie, uh, yeah. Santana and Sly Stone especially. They, they 
they really get it. And they all love the Ramones, by the way. That's the other thing that they, everyone popped for in the class. Yeah. Nine-year-olds, 14-year-olds, girls, boys, everybody just popped for the Ramones. Yeah, yeah I, I always find it very interesting. You know, I taught two summer sessions of the uh, Play Music Theater program. And the first one was, I was lucky enough to be the teacher um, teaching artist uh, for the 50th anniversary of Woodstock, which was such a special time. And it was right before the world exploded. And um, those kids were lovely, but they were definitely not scared of getting loud and <laughs> being the most they could be. But the funniest question that I've I've heard consistently from both, both sessions that I taught was, how old is Janis Joplin when she was in Woodstock? How old, is, how old was this? How old was this person? And when they realize that it's an obtainable age, it's something not far <laughs> removed from them, yeah. they're even more inspired. Yeah. And, and I think that that's so exciting. There's Woodstock in all of them. There is, yeah. And they really relate to it, I think. It doesn't take long for them to look around and see themselves and the pictures and the stories and a lot of what was going on there. They have a good connection pretty quickly to a lot of those themes. I, I love that you said it only took a couple weeks to make these connections. Um, but give them a few years and they'll end up like Johnny and I in group therapy with their bands. Yeah, doing the full great. Metallica. Sure. The full Metallica. God, what... <laughs> That, that is the most un-Woodstock thing I've ever seen. If you guys haven't seen this, some some kind of monster documentary about Metallica, and they're really, like, they're they're in corporate therapy, because it's really about their money. It's not, they could give two Fs about the music at this point, and they're just like, who are we going to edge out of this company, you know, is the bigger picture. It's so not Woodstock. Uh, well, now we're talking about doing adult rock camp, which is going to be a whole different thing. Wow. Um, I'm, I'm digging uh, uh, the kids, but I'm, I'm getting ready now for some... Uh, uh, some straight white rock dudes. I hope it's more diverse than that. I think it's going to be a little <laughs> bit of everybody. You know, we we piloted this with the kids and the parents very quickly said, I want to do that. I want to do that. So, you know, many people don't have the opportunity, the studio, the equipment yeah. set up. Mm -hmm. So we're going to set up uh, a drop-in space where the adults can come and have a rock jam session and uh, be able to experience what the kids are experiencing and let it all go at least for a few hours a week. Yeah, I thought that is a fantastic idea and you know not only that if I had that as an adult but what the kids have if we had that when I was a kid where you could walk in and jam and meet other people I mean we did pretty good in my basement but it was the same three or four people over and over again <laughs> and even then the hippies and the punks didn't get along I had like two groups of yeah, friends yeah, right. <laughs> play faster um, uh, yeah you know I did a drop in um, education program and we did album covers and we just had mm -hmm. all these costumes and props out yeah. it's so funny how people are so ready to step in and live their best rock star life it's, yeah. it's amazing it's in all of us it is i do and i think you know it's always easier to imagine yourself as someone else than being who you are in the room so i think people relate to putting on that persona and really letting it all out i think i think it's great helping people find their inner rock stars um and the and the values of 1969 i think that's really important too i just wanted to say um i mean a lot of the hippie aesthetic of questioning authority and i think people need to know too like uh the context in which woodstock happened that there was a war on that there were protests that um it, you know it just didn't come out come out of nowhere the spirit this vibe this and a sense of community um and i hope the kids are getting that too because i think it's really really sorely needed in a very uh you know, a world that seems that, you know, always in a fight with itself. Yeah. And I think, you know, we talk about in the Explore the 60s program with the older kids that when Woodstock was created, it really was intentional to create an atmosphere that was welcoming to everyone, that was peaceful, and that was really about the music and about a shared experience that people were going to have together. And so, I think it, it, it bodes well for our community as well, that like even though people were resistant to the look and the feel of what was about to be the concert, you know, this legendary concert, there were still people out in the streets handing out sandwiches, helping where they could. And even though they didn't understand the people that were coming upon them, yeah. they, they helped and they they essentially kept people alive and kept people safe and that that speaks well to Sullivan County to me in a big way absolutely well uh, other guests that we've had uh, Deb and John Conway they always say we go here from revolution to revolution right the revolution that formed the country and the revolution that sort of was uh, kind of tentpole at the end of the 60s mm -hmm. that's, right it. On. that's it that's it <laughs> All right. Well, well, I've been having a gas at Bethel, and I can't wait to, to mold more young minds. Um, what a terrifying thought. <laughs> uh, I think it's going okay. John, you should get in the room with uh, three girls playing a Joan Jett song. There's nothing like it. Yeah, you know, I might I might <laughs> pop in for an adult uh, sing-along. I think that sounds perfect. That's right. <laughs> 
Uh, Joan Jett happened to be one of my first concerts, so I would I would gladly. Who doesn't love Joan Jett? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean I seriously, who does not love yeah. Joan Jett? Yeah. Yeah. She's yeah. she's everything. Correct. Uh, and I get the kids to sing a song that's basically about not apologizing. I love that. <laughs> and you know what? Suzanne is everything. So Suzanne, thank All you right, so thank much you. for being here today. We really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. All right, what a gas. Okay, I'm gonna go uh, set my guitar on fire, and we'll be back right after this. This episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network. Roberta's was founded in Bushwick in 2008 and has become one of the most iconic restaurants in the country. HRN made its home inside of Roberta's in 2009, and together they have become part of the DIY fabric of the neighborhood. Roberta's is open for lunch and dinner seven days a week and serves much more than just the famous wood-fired pizzas. Their team dreams up new salads, pastas, and sandwiches on the regular. Roberta's Tiki Bar is alive and well in the back garden, serving up frozen drinks in the summer and hot toddies in the winter. Stop by the bakery and takeout spot next door for fresh breads, sticky buns, and pizzas to go. But Roberta's also extends beyond Bushwick, with multiple locations in New York City, Long Island, and Los Angeles. You can also find their frozen pies in grocery stores around the country. The spirit of Roberta's, like Heritage Radio Network, is everywhere. Here's to many more years of pizza-powered radio. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. Everything's better in Berryville. All right, we're back, and you dig it. So uh, glad to talk to Suzanne from Bethel Woods. You know, we're not that far. I, I can't believe when I go to work there, John, I, like, I'm going to work at Yasger's Farm. It's incredible. Yeah, it's so, a big deal, and it's so close so to where e- we are. It's so close. So even sitting in my living room, I'm already like 137,000 strong. <laughs> <laughs> and they're coming your way. They're right, coming to storm <laughs> the farm. A little Woodstock humor there for you, for you kids. Uh, all right, don't forget, speaking of kids, we've got the kids from Bethel from the class that I taught coming up at the end of the show with their song, Are You Scared? Uh, but first, back to our back-to-school special. Johnny, you brought me some legit bona fide lunch ladies. I mean, it's a big deal. It's one of the most important parts of the back-to-school day and school in general, the cafeteria. Today we have food service director for the Eldred Central School District, departing First Lady of Port Jervis, Jill, Jill Decker. <laughs> and my friend and food service helper, Tessa Raymond. Welcome, ladies. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you. Uh, Jill, I want to start out with you. How did you start your career in food service and youth nutrition? Well, I started years and years ago. My uh, family owned a restaurant down at Port Jervis called Wine and Roses Restaurant. Um, And then after that, I uh, went to the Culinary Institute of America. I graduated from there. I was in the um, grocery store business for about 15 years in management. And then this job in Eldred came available. And from there, it's history. Started my 19th year this year. Wow. Congratulations. What, what a cool story, though, like to, to go from like sort of like food in the family to, you know, markets and, and all the things. Yeah, that's, absolutely. That's wonderful. Um, and Tessa, how about you? I know that you had your own spot. I know that you were our esteemed chef at the uh, at the uh, <laughs> Stick It Insider Tasting Room. Um, how, did, how did you get your start? Um, well, I've always been in the food industry. Um, from waitressing to just having my own place. Um, and I um, always wanted to work in the school because I wanted to work the school hours. So I thought to myself, well, what's the best thing but to work in the cafeteria with kids and food and have the best hours ever? And keep keep an eye on your kids, too, while you're and doing that. And definitely <laughs> keep an eye on the kids, for sure. So, <laughs> so what are the challenges of feeding all these kids? It's got to have changed a lot since I was uh, growing up. And, you know, I was saying my mom used to give me basically marshmallow fluff on Wonder Bread with a Twinkie. You know, and that, that was lunch. That, you know, I mean, it's amazing. I'm not Doing more malformed. Doing it differently over in Jersey. Huh? Yeah, yeah. It's amazing. I grew as tall as I did. Uh, but I needed it on the school bus, you know, going because I didn't get any breakfast either. And I decided to be racing through first period and crashing through second period. Uh, nutrition wasn't really a byword back back in those dark ages so uh what are you guys feeding the kids and how's it going (laughs) and are they digging it well a lot of the kids it depends on what they get at home is what they want to eat at school so it's very difficult to feed the masses and have everybody like what they you know what they want get what they want 
but um, we definitely try to do a lot of farm to school stuff. We this year we've already offered them like corn on the cob, fresh peaches. We've had pepper slices, and it's all locally sourced. Basically, we get our stuff out of uh, a farm in Warwick. Our milk comes from like Albany. So we get eggs from Jeffersonville. So there's different things, you know, we've trying to incorporate a lot of the farm to table things in the cafeteria. That's amazing. That's, do they, it is amazing, right? I mean, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's amazing. It's so progressive, it's so no, Alice no, it's Waters. So cool. But do, do you know if like that carries over into the classroom? Like, do the kids know that like the eggs are coming from Jeffersonville? Do you think, like, do you think it- I do, I think the teachers are trying to, everybody's trying to get on board and teach the kids that nutrition is very important to learning in the day. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, we were talking about this before when I was teaching at Bethel, you know, we would get a lot of snacks and sometimes if they were super sugary snacks, you would see a kid, you know, be on top of the world and then just crash and burn within an hour. Um, and I'm sure you guys see that as well, but you guys get to send them out of the cafeteria and say, go play. It's wonderful. Yeah. yeah. No, but, um, (laughs) but like, you know, do you guys keep an eye on the nutrition and are you always, are you following like state guidelines? Yes. The state guidelines are definitely what we have to follow. Mm-hmm. Got it. And what, what do you do with all these, the, the challenging times of every other child being allergic to peanuts or dairy or whatever it is? Like, how do you handle that for the masses? Well, it's difficult, but we, we definitely in the beginning before school even starts, we sit down with the nurse and I, I know who's allergic to what. And thankfully we are a very small district. So we know, I know every kid that's coming through the line. So I know who's allergic to what and to be careful with what we do serve. So, but we, nowadays we have like a POS system that alerts the cashier. If they come down to the line, there's a secondary, like if I'm not there that day, the kids, she's going to know who's allergic to, because it automatically comes up on the register of who's allergic to what. So yeah, we're very, very, we spend a lot of time on that so that the kids are safe. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Um, you know, we worked we worked with you guys very closely at the onset of the pandemic on the backpack program. So when people were making a lot of donations and we were collecting food um, for various food purposes uh, during the Victory Garden Project, we started to work with Tracy, the school nurse on the backpack program. Jill, could you tell us and everybody at home a little bit more about what the backpack program is? Because I think it's so important and such a cool thing that our district does. Yeah, so the backpack program is a program where um, any family that feels that they're in need and can't really make it through the weekend with their food, that they can contact the nurse and we send a backpack home with the child every Friday and then they'll bring back the empty backpack on Monday. And it happens every Friday, we'll send back, we'll send out a backpack full of food and it's wonderful. A lot of families take advantage of it. So Right now, we have sent a letter home to the families asking them if they are in need. So we just need to get the letters back, and we'll start the backpack program within probably a couple weeks. It's incredible. And, you know, um, Tessa, could you tell us, so when I was a kid, you know, my dad would get up pretty much in the winter only and make us some delicious dad cream of wheat or instant oatmeal (laughs) or something. Sometimes he would splurge and make us some pancakes if we were lucky, if it was really cold out. But now (laughs) you guys are serving breakfast to kids too, right? Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's two meals a day. So what's, what is, what do they get for breakfast? Well, they usually always, um, get a juice with their breakfast. They get, um, it varies throughout the day, like what we're having. So it can be cereal, it can be a yogurt, yeah, we do with boiled eggs. We'll add that into it too. Um, Some waffles little, today with hot waffles. waffles. We had hot waffles, and then Whoa. they always get um, a milk and a fruit. They want to have that too. That's incredible. So it's well, a complete meal. I want to go to school in Port Jervis. I know, Lucky <laughs> Ducks. No, Port Jervis no, and Eldred. This is an Eldred. Yeah, this is an Eldred. Better yet, closer to home. Yeah, Glen's Bay. Go, go. You know, but, steal a kid's God, lunch. Breakfast. There you go, Mike. That's a good luck. I never saw breakfast. I was like running to the school bus, and I was like drinking coffee when I was 11 (laughs) and and, and breakfast is so good yeah I I think it's so amazing I mean and and you can't underestimate how important nutrition is to to having a balanced day and being able to like learn and and actually sit through school well these are the lessons I mean hopefully they take these lessons forward I mean that that is is so crucial we know of all the health crises not just in Sullivan County and Orange County but everywhere in in the country people don't know how to eat they eat so many empty calories Uh, you know they don't understand uh, that going to the you know our farmers market and buying 
buying stuff from far- local farmers. It's fresh produce. Uh, I mean, I personally try to avoid stuff from big agriculture. I know some people, you know, they depend on the supermarkets. It's different for every, everybody, but it's so important. And I, I think, you know what's weird, teaching at Bethel? Some of these kids are gigantic. And I really suspect, someone said, that kid's 12. And I'm like, really? Because I was about to ask him if he wanted to have a beer after work. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And so it's just, man, it's because of all the hormones that are in the yeah. food right yeah. now. And, and what's really neat that we've been doing, too, is introducing new foods. And, like, for instance, we got a really nice um, case of kale once. And these kids are like, kale, what, you know, come on, what are we going to do with kale? But we made a really nice salad out of it and served it. And a lot of the kids were like, oh my gosh, that was delicious. So we served broccoli today, That's fresh incredible. broccoli. And they, the kids love, they love broccoli. the broccoli. Yeah. That's amazing. So, so we're, yeah. we're past that whole shut up and eat your broccoli kind of Yeah, no, they, no I think they're asking it's for no it longer now. About it. Yeah, now we have kale, which yeah. is just kale. a decoration I mean, come on. when I was a kid. <laughs> yes. well, I, I, I yeah, it was, exactly. Yeah. The pizza hut, it was like in the... <laughs> In the, uh, the salad bar. Yeah, the not even bag. in the salad bar. It was around right. the salad Just bar. It was a garnish. Yeah. I Covered consider it a height of postmodern culinary gastronomic something or other that kale became trendy. Yeah. The kale became expensive and everyone, you know, Williamsburg was wanted the kale, but it was something you couldn't give away. It's right. so like Portlandia, you know. It's yeah, like, exactly. where did exactly. the chicken go to school? Exactly. Yeah, like, on? <laughs> One time we had, uh, um, they were doing a taste testing and they said, well, can we bring in and they brought in all these pomegranates, oh, like yeah. 90 of them. Gosh. And we had to DC like 90 oh. pomegranates, and it was yeah. very labor intense, but the kids loved it. They loved they, it. You know, That's it, wonderful. Avocados. Yeah. They did a whole thing with avocados. avocados. We made guacamole, we, and we did some things with it, so they were like, yeah. oh, know, that's where guacamole comes from. I know you make a from. hell of a guacamole, yeah. too. Yes, absolutely. So absolutely. Yeah. I didn't even yeah. see an avocado until I was like 19. Yeah, right. yeah. You know, around yeah. the same time, my, my first seatbelt. Yeah. No, we've introduced it up here. Yeah. But this is very, very important because this conversation is very on message to the Heritage Radio mission. Uh, and they've always, Alice Waters, and, and who's on the board of directors originally at Heritage Radio, was always encouraging and finding ways to have programs of gardening and farming in school so kids could see where their food came from and they would value nutrition and value fresh food and hopefully take it forward so when they had families, mm-hmm. that's the way they would be running their family, mm-hmm. you know, the tables yeah. at home. And I think it's also important, too, another thing that's kind of lacking in my upbringing is just the whole concept of food bringing people together. Absolutely. Uh, you know, and I think it starts it starts right here. So I'm, I'm very in awe of you guys. Um, but you said something before we were talking, which I loved. You said you're both foodies. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so what are the best restaurants locally? And what do you look for <laughs> in, a, in, a, in a restaurant? Knowing that you're on the cafeteria line all day, where do you go when you want to dine out? Hmm. Hmm. Usually my kitchen. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I love your I love your olive oil. We just used the last drop of it the other day, the rosemary olive oil that you made. Oh, yeah. oh today in our you. kitchen yeah. we were tasting different olive oils, oils by we the spoonful. Doing that. Yeah, we were. Oh, I love that. <laughs> That's a tough question that you just asked us because, um, like you said, I mean, we were talking about going out and being foodies. Sometimes it's kind of against you because you want to, you know, you go to places and you want that, and maybe you're wow. not going to get that wow, you know. Yeah. But um, when you do. Those are the ones that you check, you know, say, well, we'll be back and you yeah. continue to go back. Yeah, I agree. That's what we're talking about. I have no problem dropping some coin on dinner as long as yes, I feel as as like I'm getting, getting value yeah. for yeah. it. When it shows up on my credit card bill, I don't say, oh, my God, oh, I can't yeah. believe I spent $200. It's like, no, I want to say, wow, I want to do that again. I look at my wife and she says, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? Then, I know, then I know no matter what it cost, it was worth it. Yeah, of yes. course. Um, Jill, I have a question for you uh, that was part of your introduction. I announced you as the departing first lady of Port Jervis, and it's it's been so amazing to watch what your family has poured into that city over the past 10 years. I'm sure it must be a little bit bittersweet. It is. It is. Mm-hmm. Yes, it definitely is. It's been a huge part of our lives for a long time. So we're going to come January, have to readjust and Maybe we'll get to spend a little bit more time together. <laughs> because, well, Port Jervis is so important to our community. It's like Absolutely. the first foray. It's mm-hmm. like the, you know, it's the public transportation. It's our urban hub, you know, Absolutely. into the area. And it, and, it, and it's such a beautiful thing how we work synonymously, you know, through the river towns, through get, you know, getting getting to our little neck of the woods mm-hmm. is, is through Port Jervis. And I think that we all are so appreciative and grateful for the transformation that, you know, you and your husband have have really, you know, contributed to in a big way in Port Jervis so thank you and thank you you know it's it's definitely the family you have to thank because I'm sure you <laughs> you're the one that sat alone a, a lot <laughs> waiting for him to get home but, absolutely uh, yeah but it's great I, I remember the, thank you I remember when you guys uh started the soundtrack in downtown Port Jervis like about 10 years ago I was sitting mm-hmm. outside mm-hmm. uh Geo's and was like this is so cool who yeah, is this absolutely. guy he's really changing the face of this town it was great <laughs> thank you yeah it's wonderful 
Um, yeah, you know, we would love to dine with you anytime. So at, at the Aldred Cafeteria, the Aldred School. Well, maybe we could take them out and show them a good time. Right. Maybe, <laughs> maybe we could get them out <laughs> of the yeah. We'll take them on a gastronomic yeah. tour of, of a very <laughs> yeah, we'll yeah. start to stick it in, climb up the old Tobago. Exactly. Hey, there you absolutely. Go. I mean, I'm that's the best, best nights <laughs> to be spent in town. Here you go. Baker's has been closed for a month now, and you could visibly see the waistline, the collective waistline of Barryville shrinking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I we're mean, only feeding them tiny we're little white, tacos. We're white knuckling it until <laughs> Baker's yeah. is back open. Yeah. I actually do have one thing to say. Um, we have a, a a young kid that came through the line today and he does this actually every day, but he always gets seconds. And he told us today that, um, cause we had pasta with meat sauce over, you know, wheat pasta. Well, when I say, yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> and did you pair it with a lovely Chianti? Yes. I wish we could. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But he said, he goes, I absolutely love your guys' food. He says, oh, that's and he gets up and it, you know, it just made us go, oh, really? Like he just, he's, Appreciative. Of yeah, it. exactly. That's beautiful. Yeah. And you don't know what these kids are getting at home. You don't know Absolutely. what they're getting at home. Exactly. Absolutely. So it feels good that you know they're getting a good, healthy meal at least once a day. Well, thank Amazing. you both for mm-hmm. keeping our kids safe and well fed and, um, yeah, to, bringing a light to yeah. this town. Thank you so yeah, much. Uh, yeah, and all, everything. It's so important. Back to the garden, right? All right. Back here we go. Garden. Well, thank you, ladies, so much. And uh, thank you. We'd love to have you back all anytime. Right. This was the best, best back to school special we've ever done, John. That's right. And it's the only <laughs> back to school special we've ever done. All right. Free from the usual trauma of September. We'll see you right after this. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Everything's better in Berryville. Crazy Daisy, we are back, and I can't believe we had some genuine bona fide lunch ladies on the show. They are more than lunch ladies. They are incredible women. I have to tell you, I, I've always admired Jill and her family, you know, her husband's work at Port Jervis, and Tessa's like a personal friend. You know, first we experienced her at the Carriage House. She was always this, like, amazing consummate bartender, and then she went on to be our chef, and now she's, you know, working in the kitchen and at Bethel Woods this summer. I mean, she's a real foodie and a real a real inspiration. They, I they, love these guys. They were incredible. It's, no, they weren't like the lunch ladies I grew up with were scary, frankly, and very intimidating. Oh. I mean, no, these these women. I, mean, I they, can't imagine they, what it would have been like to have been Mike Addison's lunch lady. Oh that my god, sounds like hell. Oh, only <laughs> at the Clara Barton Elementary School. Oh my god, and where, where the kids would <laughs> Back on Fridays. Back in nineteen twenty-two. Yeah, more or less, right after right after Prohibition, and <laughs> and, and we then Friday afternoons they would the kids would actually take the pizza they would serve on Friday afternoons and see which would bounce higher off the floor, the pizza or an actual rubber ball. Oh come on, <laughs> you know I always loved the lunch ladies i honestly they were like friends they like i we, we got excited about pizza day you know there it was like low-hanging fruit for sure <laughs> but they were always sweet and my mom was always good for it but like you know she was a busy working lady she worked at united way when i was a kid so we'd maybe owe the lunch lady a check or two and they'd always be like all right get us tomorrow get us tomorrow you know they were always very sweet but uh they'd still let me and, and take the how, chocolate and, milk and look how we wound up i think you could see that you were the product of nice lunch ladies and me not so much oh <laughs> come on mike but um obviously uh jill and tess i mean they're more than lunch ladies they're nutritionists and, and, and they care and they're teaching kids the value of good food and of sourcing things locally and and what they really do to contribute to the community it's 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 amazing it's yeah and, and it was super fun to have Suzanne on too because she's she's a real light that like props up the community in ways that schools and parents and neighbors can't necessarily provide sometimes and Bethel Woods is this kind of catch-all for people um to to go and be educated and cultured and um and sometimes it's just childcare, frankly, but it's wonderful. And see the dude from Led Zeppelin? Yeah, I mean, why not? You know, that's that's uh, the good it, stuff. It's been an amazing experience. And it's in me. our backyard. It's, I can't believe I live right next to Yazger's farm. And, you know, and like I joke, I say, you know, like I said, every day I drive to work, you know, about halfway there, I get to say, oh, about 249,000 strong. All oh, right. my God. <laughs> I think I made that joke before. Um, and you're probably going to hear it again before we're done. All right. And don't forget, at the end of the show, we've got the kids from Bethel Woods, the Wood Monsters, are going to do their song, Are You Scared?, and get us ready for Halloween. But first, John, are you ready for the news? I'm ready. Then here it is. Here's the news with your host, John Pizzolatto. I'm John Pizzolatto, and this is the news to me. Yesterday, I attended the annual Von Steuben Day, which was so lovely. Despite the rain, it really uh, was a fabulous benefit that they do yearly for the Ulan uh, Fire Department. My friend Fred Reber, and I think his 
his mother founded the Von Steuben Day Parade in Yulin. Uh, but Von Steuben Days are the shot heard around the world. That's right. Don't forget, you're from Chicago. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, in Ferris Bueller's Day Off, where he sings uh, Twist and Shout and that wonderful scene, that is a Von Steuben Day Parade as well. You're correct. That's so good. <laughs> but that's a really keen observation. But yeah, yeah, there's all kinds of uh, funny holidays that we celebrate over in the, <laughs> the land of Lincoln, such as Kashmir Pulaski Day. Have you ever heard of Kashmir Pulaski? Mm, if he wasn't a professional wrestler, probably not. All right. <laughs> <laughs> a pretty good uh, wrestling name. He wasn't right? Killer Kowalski. No, no, not at all. Okay, not at all. Uh, but I like Von Steuben Day too because it's the German Day Parade and, and fest, and I love beer, and I love a pretzel, and, and and everybody coming out. But it's a good reminder of so much German heritage, and uh, we all, you know, so much heritage, and you know, everybody here at some point was an immigrant in America, and I think this kind of brings us together. Yeah, everybody wasn't you know? always a local. <laughs> Sometimes people came from other places well, and you know, descended upon this you know land. What? We all come from somewhere else, but we have, obviously have a great Irish heritage here in Sullivan County. That's right. And obviously there's a great Jewish heritage here in Sullivan County and so much more. And um, the only thing there's no room for is hatred. That's correct. Uh, and, you know, I, I do feel I was I was thinking about this after I left the other day. You know, I feel like uh, European Americans either go one way or the other. They're either really proud uh, you know, German Americans, or they're really proud Italian Americans. It's kind of like this, you, like seg. You're kind of like bisecting Europe, kind of. You know, there are more countries in Europe. I understand <laughs> that, but you know, it's very it's a, rare it's very that people place. like adopt Albanian culture. No offense to any Albanians out there, but it's it's very rare that people sort no, of claim that. And, you know, the history of immigration in America. Yeah. Of course, we have many Italian immigrants and Irish immigrants, German immigrants. My my parents came from Eastern Europe, or my great grandparents did. I'm third generation American from uh, what's now Lithuania and uh, parts of uh, Belarus and used to be part of, you know, the lines were changing constantly back then. Um, but, you know, as someone said to me, our friend Patrick Martins once said when he was telling me why truck drivers are his heroes, um, he said, look around your house. Is there anything here that didn't come off of a truck? Yeah, so, yeah, that's, oh, a, that's a very astute observation. You know, so we all come from someplace else. And uh, shout out to a couple of our local favorite truck drivers, Isaac and um, Orson. All right, right on. Hello. <laughs> all right. All right, what else you got? All right, uh, and not so great news, depending on how you look at it. Um, legislator Rob Doherty was found guilty of slander, basically, uh, against Louis Alvarez, another legislator. And I want to say this was a very painful thing for, for our county. It really, it really sort of brings our legislation you know, our, our band of legislators into the mud. It's a very dark uh, place to operate from. And I, I really found it interesting that Louis wasn't seeking financial retribution. He really just wanted to clear his name. And I know Louis to be a very solid man with strong ties to our town. You know, he worked for the sheriff's department and patrolled along 97. He knows the river corridor like the back of his hand. And him and I have been talking about ways to sort of bring back the constables or even a river district, uh, a police district. But, um, you know, he's a, he's a really good man. And I think that being accused of something and, and clearing your name is is a very uh, powerful thing, especially when you're not seeking out, you know, funds. But it's it, it really went someplace dark, and I'm glad I'm glad that he was vindicated. The short of it is uh, the backstory is that Rob Dowdy had accused Louis of using a very uh, inappropriate misogynist language, which he had never used. But it went so far as to get to a jury trial, and you know, a defamation uh, case, which this was, is so hard to prove. Very it's, hard it's, to prove. It's yes. an incredibly high hurdle. The lawyer for um, really was Michael Sussman, who's also the lawyer for the Delaware Riverkeeper. He's a very very sharp guy. It is so hard to prove defamation because you have to prove that not only did Rob was he lying. That, but that he or that the information was false, but that he knew the information was false while he said it, and he did it with malintent, that he did it with malice. It's extremely difficult to get six jurors to agree on that, and it took two hours for them to come back with a guilty verdict. Yeah, I mean, it, it, but it's it's not a story I want to keep repeating or something that I, I hope sets any sort of precedence because we see this sort of effect. You know, nationally, we see it in our town. This sort of like destruction of people's character is, is a really dark thing, and it, and you can't you can't take the humility out of being a human. I mean, people make mistakes, but when you knowingly trash somebody's reputation and repeat things in a slanderous way, there should be there should be consequences. I, I agree, and I, I'm concerned about the upcoming elections, both locally and nationally, that the rhetoric's just getting nastier and nastier, and it's going to escalate. We saw what happened in the last presidential election. It just it just seems this whole country is going to a bad place in terms of what we consider civil 
discourse. Yeah, because it, it, attacking one's livelihood and their reputation has no place in public service. I mean, because if you're truly in it for the right reasons, you're not looking to rape and pillage and take a dollar <laughs> off the top of things. You're really trying to provide a service to the public with your set of, of skills and knowledge. And, and, you know, I'm glad Louis was able to clear his name and, and move on. And uh, while we're out there, I, want to, I think it's time to tell everybody, uh, John, you're about to hit the campaign trail. So this is going to be your last show for a little while. Yeah. Because I'm going to let you go do that thing. And um, you're going to have to work for everybody's vote, including mine. And I know you to be an honest, hardworking public servant. And I admire you and I love you. And I'm wishing you the best of luck. Thank you, but, Mike. But uh, I'm going to give you a break. And I'm going to tell you, go out and do what you got to do and get the job done. And I'm going to have superstar guest hosts coming in, and I'm not going to mention any... Oh my God, okay? who's it going to be? Uh, I'm not going to tell you. This but, is a big but, seat to okay, fill. It's, <laughs> there are big shoes to fill. And uh, I'm not going to tell you who, but look forward to that. But John, thank you so much for making the show, and good luck uh, out there on the road. Wait, wait! Do you, do you hear that? Oh my God, one last visit from this <laughs> wild woman of the sky! You're not getting away without hearing from Tiffany Diamond. Tiff, can you hear us? Hi guys, it's Tiffany Diamond here in the Berryville Radio Traffic Helicopter... Well, summer's over, but the flashing light at the intersection is still making everyone nuts. Yep, it's fall now, and the school buses are back out on the road. So keep your eyes open and respect those school bus drivers, okay? The fall leaves are looking beautiful already, especially from up here in the helicopter. We should hit peak around Columbus Day again. As usual, there's a lot of leaf peepers coming up to see the foliage. Watch out! They remind me of those tourists in New York City, people who've never seen a tall building. They're looking up at everything and not watching where they're going. Keep your eyes on the road, folks, especially around Hawk's Nest. I know it's really pretty, but if you want to look down over the river, please pull over at one of the lookouts. And be careful of the people taking selfies, because you know they are not looking for you. Hey, good luck, Johnny, with the election. And when you get elected, if you need a traffic czar, you know where to find me. Hey, Tiff, when Johnny's out campaigning, maybe you'll be my guest host. That'd be great. Maybe we can go up to the chopper for a ride together. Sorry, I can't hear you. Chopper's way too loud. This is Tiffany Diamond from the Berryville Radio Traffic Helicopter. Over and out. Everything's better in Berryville. Wow. Uh, nice to see that woman of mystery. I'd like to see that woman of mystery. <laughs> I mean, I could feel her, I guess, more than see her, I suppose. Well, I hope you maybe you'll run into her on the campaign trail. Maybe she can... Uh, I mean, Spread the good word <laughs> from the skies, from the friendly skies. Fly the friendly skies with Tiffany Diamond. All right, it's that part of the show we've all been waiting for. We're going to bring on the kids from Bethel Woods. This is the little group that I was teaching this summer, and they call themselves the Wood Monsters. Uh, the song's called Are You Scared?, and we have Claire on theremin and percussion, uh, Bell's playing violin, Gabriel plays guitar, Lily's on bass, Riley's on drums, and a very old, scary person kind of doing the voice. So I, I want to meet. I want to meet Riley. She's a real like slamming drummer. Incredible, incredible. I'm so. And she's local, right? She's uh, she, from Barryville. Barryville. Love it. Barryville. Love it, OG. Love it, love OG. It. OG. Anyway, the Wood Monsters. Are you scared? Once upon a time, in a place called Bethel Woods, there was a big rock concert. Many people came, but only a few went home.
Let's hear it for Claire, Gabe, Bell, Lily, Riley, and I also want to thank Callie Seastrand, who is my co-teacher and colleague at Bethel Woods, and she really helped uh, the kids get that uh, Children of the Damned sound. Wow, John, I want to ask you one question. What's that, Mike? Are you scared? No! Color, <laughs> color me impressed. That was amazing. They, they're such, such These a These kids group. are really something. Yeah, they're, they're amazing. You know what's one great thing I loved about teaching this group? They all wanted to play guitar and bass and drums. We had a couple singers, a couple guys playing keyboards, but no one uh, wanted to be a producer. They all wanted to play. Wow. You know, so maybe there's hope for civilization. <laughs> what are you trying Just, to say yeah. about producers? Uh, well, you know, I mean, I, I like I like people playing their instruments on the floor. You know, you know the last, instead of doing it in a box. As the they last say. time that I the, the last time that I uh, did something in Bethel Woods, my my dear friend who I was collaborating with, Tim Busfield, said to me, "You're just like every other producer." And I said, "Oh, <laughs> wait a minute, Hollywood! I am just a normal guy trying to put a children's show together. Relax." Oh my God, this sounds like a Mel Brooks movie waiting <laughs> yeah, waiting right. to happen. Yeah. Okay, listen. Thank you, John, for being for bringing us this. Far, um, go, 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 knock on doors, get the votes, I will be do your job. At a doorstep near you very soon. <laughs> All right. And uh, I want to thank everybody, uh, as always, our friends at Heritage Radio. I want to thank, thank you, Heritage. And we are becoming way more food focused. You just wait. <laughs> we are going to eat our way through the season. <laughs> yeah. uh, that's right. We're going to have mushrooms and wine. And I want to thank all of our guests. I want to thank Tessa and Jill and Suzanne, of course, from Bethel Woods and the kids from Bethel Woods. And most of all, all of you for listening and making us the number one podcast in Barryville today. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> okay, John, we're going to go out with your song, and uh, we love you all. All right, love you guys. Everything's better in Barryville.
This show is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. Keep in touch at heritageradionetwork.org slash subscribe.